Hey everybody, Sam Mellinger here, sports columnist with the Kansas City Star. I am grateful for you listening to the 56th episode of the Mellinger Minutes for Your Ears podcast. Uh, the goal this week, the goal every week, is to be worth your time. This week we're going to do that with a point about Tyron Matthews' contract and other Chiefs' business, questions about whether the Monarchs are cheapening their brand, when the K might actually be full, whether vaccines will ever be required, and I sort of hijack a question about what to eat at the K with an idea for barbecue that would be amazing. I promise. Okay, uh, the bonus segment includes some of the reporting I did for a column this week on the name, image, and likeness stuff around college sports, which is on its way fast. And I was told by a college administrator this week that it is by far the biggest issue they're, they're dealing with at the moment. Um, okay, let's get right to it. You might have seen where Tyron Matthew deleted a tweet that expressed doubt that he'd have a contract extension this summer. He was responding to a question from a fan and wrote, probably not, been here before, all good. Now, as far as these things go, that's pretty benign, but because this is the NFL and Matthew is a star and in America we overact to everything, right? Uh, a tweet that was deleted after a few minutes has become a thing. Um, there's a lot to get into here, a lot of interesting stuff that will have an impact on the Chiefs going forward, but I don't think that's, I don't think it's what most people are talking about with this. And I want to make a few points here. Uh, the first is that it is so early, middle of May, right? Like Chris Jones signed his extension last summer in the middle of July. July 14th to be exact. That is almost two months away. And really a deal could be done with a few hours work. It's it, it's also very weird that Tyron tweeted that. I understand like on Thursday afternoon, uh, Thursday morning, I guess, um, he, he sent another tweet that said, I'm not packing my bags. That could be anything, by the way. Um, this is all weird, right? Um, it, it's, it's weird that Tyron dropped something like that in response to a tweet. It's weird that he followed up a couple days later with that. This is all weird for a lot of reasons. But, um, you know, Tyron is different like he is real he is a star uh but he doesn't really think of himself that way you know or, or i guess a better way of saying it he, he doesn't carry himself that way uh that's part of what makes him so easy to like and it can also lead to some weird moments um i also want to say here that i fully believe a deal will get done um i really do even with the deleted tweet it, it just makes too much sense like he is a great player not a good one he is a great player and and he deserves the credit for all that but he also has to see this as the perfect fit, you know? I would argue that he's the second most important player on the team. Uh, maybe you disagree with that, you know? Maybe you choose Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey or even Chris Jones. If you do, like, you know, cool. Like, I'm not going to argue against any of those guys. But I think a lot about what a mess that defense was before Tyron got there, on the field and off. Um, I think of all the things they asked him to do uh, his, you know, as soon as he walked through the door, right? Like, both as a player and a leader. And he is the voice on that side of the room. And, you know, he's the guy that people gravitate toward, the guy who can, you know, say things to a teammate that a coach just can't. And I know we tend to overrate these things sometimes, but, you know, Tyron is just, he's different, man. Um, he, he, like, in some ways, he's the Mahomes of that defense. And he knows the impact he has here. And he doesn't talk about this stuff often, but he would love to continue to build a Hall of Fame case. And it's hard to imagine him finding a better place to do that than here. You know, he just made the all-decade team, which is a huge deal. And in two seasons here, he's been all pro twice. You know, he's played the Super Bowl twice, won a championship. There's just, there's a realistic path for him to build a convincing case here for the Hall of Fame. And, you know, it's just, it's a matter of working out the numbers, which is, what these things always come down to but you know believe it or not the chiefs can have some cap space i mean that you know they, they could do a deal right now that would actually create cap space right at least in the near term 
And, you know, you guys are going to be surprised at how quickly that half billion dollar contract from Mahomes becomes a bargain. So, you know, look, I don't know Tyron's specific priorities. He's been asked about the extension and, you know, he says he doesn't worry about it. You know, says money is not his motivation, um, says he doesn't even think about it until his agents tell him the deal is close. And, you know, there's a lot in that answer, by the way. There's a lot in how he answers that. I, I know it's easy to just kind of think he's saying nonsense, but he's actually telling you some stuff when he says that because I believe him that he's not consciously or like constantly motivated by money. I just, I, I don't think he'd be the player he is if that was the extent of it for him. But, you know, it's also fair. We all like to be paid, right? And it's also fair to say that if if he's being literal about not thinking about a deal and you know and and not knowing anything until it's close then that could be bad news for the chiefs because tyron is the boss in this situation like media and fans like we we like to blame agents when deals don't get done but the truth is the agents work for the players and if tyron has told his agents not to tell him anything unless something is close then he's given the agents a lot of power just something to think about. But, you know, the point here is that Tyron is not going to have to take a hometown discount or whatever. Like they, they have $186 million uh, committed for 2022. But even if we assume that all of their $9 million or so uh, that they have space at the moment, even if we assume that all of that goes to draft picks and other players, uh, they don't have anything to roll over. The cap will get to $200 million or more. You know, plus with the Chiefs, they could free $13.4 million if they cut Frank Clark. They could save $8.5 million more if they cut Anthony Hitchens. That's more than $20 million. And if we're talking about short-term, or I'm sorry, if we're talking about long-term extensions, you know, we should mention that, you know, the NFL executives expect the really big cap jump to come in 2023. So any long-term extension could be structured in a way to fit that. I'd want to double-check on this with somebody who knows the cap better than me before saying too much here, but Mahomes is due a $27.4 million roster bonus for 2022. I believe the Chiefs could convert some or all of that to a signing bonus and, and add even more space. So now Tyron is a great player and, and great players get paid, but he's actually not far off from being the highest paid safety already. He's on a $14 million salary for 2021. That's fifth among safeties, but it's only $1.25 million behind Justin Simmons. So, you know, the numbers can work is what I'm saying. The, the Chiefs have a bit of a tight cap, you know, obviously. But, you know, this time next summer, uh, we're probably going to be talking about contract extensions for Tyree Kill and Orlando Brown, too. So it's not just about Tyron. But, you know, the, the Chiefs have a tight cap because they have a lot of great players, you know. And, and cap trouble is not about paying great players, you know. Uh, you can disagree with me if you want, but Frank Clark, I think, is the only guy I see underperforming a big cap number. And like we said earlier, you know, the Chiefs can get out of that um, after this season if they want. So what I'm saying here is I still believe Tyron Matthew will be with the Chiefs for the foreseeable future. Um, I'd bet even money that he signs an extension this summer. I mean, I just it's hard to imagine what the pessimism would be based on right now other than a weird and deleted tweet. So um, I don't know the details of those negotiations, but, you know, come on, it's mid-May. And most of these things don't even start until June. So, uh, you know, let's save the start of training camp. You know, let, let's 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 agree on that. The start of training camp. Uh, that can be the part where we start to make a big thing out of an extension not being done. All right. Okay. Uh, before we move on to the rest of the show, uh, I cut my early spiel here. I hope you guys noticed that uh, because this one is longer now, and uh, because this is where I make my ask. Um, I make three asks uh, actually, and as always, we're still cool if you only do one or two or even zero. 
but it doesn't hurt to ask, right? Uh, the first, please uh, help support us. Give the Sports Pass a try. Dollar a month for the first three months or $30 for a year. Just reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, email, whatever, and I'll send them to you. Uh, the second thing I'm going to ask you to do is please rate and review us. I am a really bad podcaster because it basically took me a year to ask you to do that, right? Like, uh, I was laughing the other day when I realized that, like, Therese would be clowning me uh, for this. Like, I can actually hear him like, what are you even doing? Get that corporate five-star rating. But anyway, uh, Savannah and I appreciate the love you've given us already. But uh, I'm just saying, if you haven't already done that, if you haven't already given us a rating or review, please do that. Uh, it really helps us get the word out. Uh, but five stars only, guys. Help us out here. Uh, the third thing I'm going to ask is that if you want to participate next week's show, and I hope you do, please call 816-234-4365. Leave your first name, where you're calling from, and almost literally any question. Put the number in your phone. Call anytime. 816-234-4365. Or as the great reader Michael points out, 816-BEG-IDLE. All right, guys, uh, I know I'm asking a lot here, uh, but that's how it's going to be. Subscribe to the Sports Pass. Give the podcast a five-star rating and review and call in with questions. I'm greedy. Um, I know. But anyway, quick break, and then we're back with those questions. Hey, Sam, Terry from Andover, Kansas here. Is it just me, or does renaming the T-Bones as the Monarchs sort of cheapen the actual Negro League's Monarchs history and brand? Or at very least, it confuses the difference between the two? I guess I'm just fascinated by the Negro Leagues, and I really want to make sure that its legacy stays pure and accurate over time. Thanks for all you do. Appreciate your perspective and the columns and podcast. Uh, Terry, it's a great question, and I'm glad you brought this up, and not just because it's a chance to reference a column I wrote about this uh, from the the New Monarchs, I guess I'll call them, season opener the other night. This was my absolute first reaction. You know, like, honestly, I was a little sad. You know, um, the Monarchs are legends. You know, the Monarchs is Cool Papa Bell and Jackie Robinson, Satchel Paige, and Willard Brown, right? Like, the New Monarchs are some, like, fringe minor leaguers. You know, it doesn't seem right to let them sort of play dress up, right? Uh, but here's where it changed on this. Um, two things, really, and and then I'll finish with a related thought. The first is, the first place I changed, like, it, it, it's hard to run a nonprofit history museum in 2021. And if Bob Kendrick says that this is good for the Negro Leagues Museum, then who am I to argue, you know? Uh, it's a delicate thing. It's personal. It's treasured. You know, there's a million scenarios that you run through. Like, the partnership means the museum no longer controls the monarch's name. You know, so like, what if the team stinks? What if the new ownership struggles? You know, or here's one. What, what, what if it's the Monarchs, uh, but it's a team full of white guys? Like, wouldn't that be weird? Um, you know, for whatever it's worth, um, I think Ken, Kendrick, I don't think this, I know this. Kendrick made clear to uh, new Monarchs owner, Mark Brammeyer, how important diversity and inc- inclusivity are to the museum and the Monarchs name. And, you know, Brammeyer, he can't give you any guarantees right and the museum can't demand a minimum minority representation in the front office or anywhere else but it does sound like the two sides see this similarly and if if the monarchs if the negro leagues museum is getting and this is how the the finances work out uh they get a percentage of every ticket 
all merchandise and all concessions um, that, that the new Monarchs sell. Uh, with, with a floor, by the way, with a guaranteed annual contribution. That's hard to turn down. You know, again, it, it's hard to run a museum like this. So, you know, look, the second thing I started thinking about is, and this is related to something Dayton Moore has referenced a couple times. And most recently, and perhaps most memorably, uh, when he, he was letting out some frustration last year when Major League Baseball's decision to contract, about 40 minor league clubs came down. And I'm just going to read the money part of the quote here. Uh, this is Dayton. He said, the minor league player, the players that you'll never know about, the players that never get out of rookie ball or high A, those players have as much impact on the growth of our game as 10-year, 15-year veteran players. They have as much opportunity to influence the growth of our game as those individuals that play for a long time because those are the individuals that go back into their communities and teach the game. They work in academies. They're junior college coaches. They're college coaches. They're scouts. They coach in professional baseball. They're growing the game constantly because they're so passionate about it. So you can probably see, this is me again, this is Sam. Uh, you can probably see where I'm going with this, right? Like if these are the ambassadors of baseball, you know, if these are the ones spreading the game to kids, won't it be a little better if those ambassadors have a better working understanding of baseball's history, right? And especially this part of baseball history. And here's where I get my related thought. Uh, and I still might have some reservations of what you talked about here, Terry, um, you know, whether it's cheapening the brand, but I'm not only good with this, and the trade-off, but I think that more teams should do this. Like the city of Nashville is pushing for a major league baseball team. Um, and by the way, the A's might be available soon, right? Um, and a group there's already there. They're selling the team name and gear of the Nashville Stars, which was a Negro Leagues team. Uh, the White Sox Double A affiliate is the Birmingham Barons, which is a, a reference, obviously, to the old Black Barons. And I think we should have more of this, not less. Like Chicago has a team in the new Monarchs League. And, you know, wouldn't it be cool if instead of being the dogs, they were the Chicago American Giants? You know, there's so many great teams, like so much important history, like Homestead Grays, the Detroit Stars, the Pittsburgh Crawfords. It just it, it makes sense to honor this history by keeping it alive, keeping it in conversation. So as long as it's done respectfully, genuinely, you know, really like even with the hesitation you're talking about here, Terry, I think this can do a lot of good. So. Okay, um, here's a. There's another baseball team in town, right? Uh, and they made some news this week. So let's go to let's go to Nick. Yeah, I had a question for the podcast. Uh, this is Nick from Lee Summit. Uh, the Royals have announced that starting May 31st, they'll be open for full capacity. But what is going to be the first event at which the stadium will actually be full? Uh, will it be the first Buck Night, Fireworks Friday, a good giveaway? Or are we going to have to wait till August for a Cardinal invasion from St. Louis or to boo the Astros? Interested to hear your thoughts on that. Thanks. I love this question. And originally, Nick sent this on Twitter, um, but I'd already done the minutes. So, Nick, thank you for being nice enough to call it in here, too. Uh, I went back and looked at the 2019 numbers like just for reference and guys like i don't know how i forgot this but did you remember the royals did not come close to a sellout that entire season <laughs> I, I i completely blanked that out kaufman stadium capacity is just under thirty-eight thousand, and they had thirty-one thousand six hundred seventy-five for the season opener and they only topped thirty thousand one other game that was a, a june saturday night against cleveland um i assume they had like a sweet promotion or something uh, the Cardinal series fell on a Tuesday and Wednesday in July, um, and they topped out at 25,000 and some change. So 
I mean, let's be real. Um, that was a, a terrible team coming off a terrible season. And it sure felt like, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs had taken up all the city sports energy for a bit. But man, to not even sell out the season opener, not even come close, that is rough. Um, I had completely forgotten about that. And, and I'm not bringing this up to like pick at old scabs, but to tell you that there's no guarantee that the K will be like actually full at any point this season. Uh, the Cardinals, that, that's a weekend series in the middle of August. Um, getting close to school there. Uh, you know, the Red Sox, that's a weekend series in June. And the Saturday night giveaway uh, for that series is a 1970 jersey, which could be pretty sweet. And, you know, <laughs> you and I both know Kansas City loves it a good giveaway. Um, they're at home against the Twins over 4th of July, uh, which is also on a weekend. So depending on the weather, you know, you could see one of those games getting close to capacity. Uh, but now, you know, the obvious point to make here is that most of this depends on how the team does, right? If they're in the playoff hunt, you could see a lot of sellouts. But really, and, you know, this is not what I expected my answer to be, but I don't think we'll see a sellout this summer. I really don't. And and a lot of this is COVID because it, as much as a lot of us are salivating to get out to a game, you know, uh, sellouts require casual fans to get motivated. And I just, I, I think that there's a lot of people who aren't ready for big crowds yet even crowds outside, you know, even with the CDC's new guidance, like all those things. So I hope I'm wrong, you know, um, but the Royals have like kind of a squeezed window for sellouts, right? Because it's, it's basically needs to be after school gets out and before school starts up again, people are busy in the summers, you know, vacations, camps, whatever. So, you know, maybe those 2019 numbers are too much in my head right now. And, and again, I hope I'm wrong, but I'm not feeling to sell out the rest of the summer. You know, I think sporting can get there, you know, smaller stadium capacity, obviously. And I think the Chiefs can get there because they have the unicorn quarterback. But, um, you know, I'll take the 2022 opener as the next sellout of Kauffman Stadium. I really do. Um, okay. Uh, speaking of attendance at Royals games, uh, here's Rob. Hi, Sam. This is Rob calling from Topeka. Uh, thanks for everything that you do. I love your column and your podcast. Hey, um, me and some uh, friends, two friends, are going to go to the Royals game uh, next week, and two of us are vaccinated, and one is not vaccinated. And uh, I was kind of surprised that Kauffman Stadium was letting people in that didn't have a vaccination card or a COVID-19 negative test. I tried to run this down in a few different spots, and uh, on the Kauffman website and the Royals website, and and uh, I didn't find out anything. So is that true? It doesn't make a lot of sense. I was hoping that uh, the Royals and Major League Baseball would uh, try to reward people by, you know, letting you in the gate if you have a vaccination or a COVID-19 test with a negative result to try to kind of encourage people to get a vaccination. Anyway, uh, sorry for the rambling. Appreciate what you do. Thanks. Bye. So, my understanding is that the Royals cannot ask to see vaccine cards. And I don't know if that's a HIPAA thing or what, but um, I was talking to somebody over there uh, about when reporters might be allowed in the clubhouse again, um, you know, or at least on or near the field, um, you know, for in-person interviews. And I was told they weren't allowed to ask to see vaccine cards. I don't know for sure that that would apply to fans, right? Um, but I know a few teams have vaccinated sections, you know, where you need to show proof there. But, um, you know, that's a little bit different than basing whether someone is allowed in the stadium at all. You know, um, I hear you about businesses' rights to refuse service, and I'm with you and hoping more and more people continue to get vaccinated uh, and hoping that vaccinations continue to be incentivized. But 
I also know this whole thing has been like muddied and politicized and twisted beyond, you know, recognition because like, think about this, like a lot of the loosening of protocols here recently, that, that was done with the idea that we need to give people a reason to get vaccinated. Right. And, and that makes sense. But if you can just lie and say you got vaccinated and there's no way for anyone to check and you can do all the things anyway, like, so <laughs> what exactly is that extra motivation? Right. Um, don't get mad at me. Like I get the obvious that the incentive should be, you know, in protecting yourself from a potentially deadly disease, protecting others. Uh, but I'm just, I'm just being realistic here, you know, and I don't know what the right answer is. And, you know, honestly, I've got mixed feelings about the whole vaccine passport thing anyway. And <laughs> you know what, we're getting off topic here and, you know, I'd like to get on to the next question before somebody yells at me about mass or freedoms or science or whatever. So, um, all right, here's an issue with interest on both sides of the aisle, I would think. Sam, this is a question for your podcast. I uh, hope you're doing well. Um, question is what we know, uh, nachos are your number one recommendation for, uh, food at the K, but um, I will be uh, making a visit to the K from uh, out of town this summer and wanted to know what your uh, what your numbers uh, two or three recommendations are that are must hit and eats while there. So um, this uh, this is uh, Shannon from North Carolina and I uh, uh, hope you're doing well and uh, thanks for the time. So the, the helmet brisket nachos are the goat. And I'm glad we can all agree on this. And I have to tell you, I'm fairly traditional at the ballpark otherwise. Like, I'm one of those weirdos. I really don't like hot dogs, like, at all. Um, but I will gladly eat one at the ballpark. Um, I tried the cheesesteak from the place in left field corner. Um, it's actually better than you might expect. I don't know what kind of um, endorsement that is. But uh, the wings at the Craft and Draft are, you know, it's good for a ballpark. But, you know, really, like, after the helmet nachos, like, I'm mostly, I'm, I'm, I'm about the classics. Hot dog, you know, pretzel, peanuts, you know, the the, the base nachos with that kind of not really cheese on the side. Uh, load that thing up with jalapenos, find the right balance, you know, with a tall boy banquet or something, and, and you've got yourself a good time. So um, I would like to use this opportunity, though, and I mentioned this in the lead. It is a travesty that Coffin Stadium has no local barbecue representation. And maybe I'm part of the problem because I'm always talking about these brisket nachos. But if Airmark had any respect of duty, it would seed a few stands and all barbecue products to the pros. Because they have the perfect place for it, too. You know, behind right field. I've mentioned this before, but here's my dream. Create a special division at the American Royal that would require contestants either be like established restaurants or groups who could prove, like, prove that they could scale their business to the needs of 81 home games. And so you have a competition at the American Royal. Give the top three or four whatever finishers a spot at Coffin Stadium for the next season. And here's a twist. Whichever business sells the least amount of barbecue at the end of August before the Royal, they've got to re-enter the competition to earn a spot the following season. Right? It'd be like the Premier League like relegation, but for barbecue. How great of an idea is this? Like, I, I can't believe I give this stuff away for free. Uh, Royals, make this happen. Uh, okay, quick break, guys. And then we are back with a lot of talk and some reporting about the name, image, and likeness stuff, which is a huge deal uh, in college sports right now.
Okay, guys, uh, let's finish strong here. I hope you check out the column I did on the NCAA and the progress on name, image, and likeness legislation. It should be on the website right now, depending on when you're listening to this. This is really timely because uh, The Athletic reported this week that the NCAA will hold a vote on this next month. And it's really relevant for at least two reasons. The first, college administrator told me this week that this is by far the biggest, most important issue that he's dealing with at, at the moment. And also for us in Kansas City, the differences between how this has been handled in Missouri and Kansas is just like nothing less than enormous. Like in Missouri, name, image, and likeness passed by a 145 to eight vote. 145 to eight. Like, I don't know how many issues you could come up with and get 145 out of 153 people to agree on it, you know? And, you know, Mizzou officials, they're doing cartwheels. Um, I don't have the audio on this because it happened at an event on Tuesday. Um, and I was watching the, the new Monarchs play. But uh, Blair Kirkhoff was nice enough to pass along a few quotes from Mizzou folks about NIL progress. Um, here's what Mizzou football coach Eli Drinkwood said. Uh, he said, it's an opportunity for the University of Missouri and the state of Missouri to be on the forefront and push the envelope and see what we can possibly do to help our players take advantage of this opportunity. Don't know what that's going to look like. Nobody knows what that's going to look like. So I think we get to chart a new course. Isn't that where the fun stuff happens? Okay. And then here's what uh, basketball coach Conzo Martin said. Um, he said, I think our administration has done a good job to help them market their brand. The biggest thing, the plus for me in name, image, and likeness, guys can generate revenue. Great. But it also means their social platform has to be sharp at all times. Sometimes you post certain things. It's not the image you want to portray. I think it's very helpful for me as a coach. The thing you've been telling them for so long, now money is involved. And hopefully they'll understand and do what coach says. So all good, right? And, and it is for Missouri. But... In Kansas, that bill is stalled, and we'll get into the reasons for that soon and reasons that really don't make sense, to be honest, to me or others I talk to. But um, here's the new reality of Kansas, K-State, and Wichita State recruiting kids who might be considering Mizzou or any other school in a state that's passed NIL legislation. Here's KU basketball coach Bill Self on what that's like now. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And, and, and even put it differently, you're recruiting a kid in Kansas City, uh, 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 if the way I understand it, that that picks Missouri over Kansas and we're right. dealing with apples and oranges, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, so yes, it, 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 it's, it's not going to be a, a level playing field at least until, you know, the federal government or the NCAA steps up and, and, and uh, uh, you know, make something either a rule or a law. So the reason Kansas has fallen behind here is that, the NIL bill in Kansas got attached to a bill that would ban transgender athletes from competition. Uh, you know, NIL passed in the Kansas House, 95 to 29, but that, that was a clean bill. That was just NIL. Um, so then in the Senate, it got attached to this trans ban, and it's just, it's gone nowhere. And the decision to merge these two issues, it's done by Senate President Ty Masterson. And I really wanted to talk to him to figure out the reasoning, but he did not return uh, voicemails or texts that I sent him this week. So um, a few weeks ago, he was quoted in the T Topeka Capital Journal, and this is what he said. He said, quote, the most notable female athletes absent this kind of protection could potentially be biologically male, and we don't want to create more confusion or incentivize more discrimination against our young women, end quote. So you can make your own judgment on the connection there, but you know the result is that a lot of Kansas lawmakers would decide two different issues with one vote. One issue they're in favor of, 
NIL and the other they're not necessarily, which is that that trans ban. And as long as Masterson doesn't budge, then nothing could be done here. Um, so it doesn't matter what I think about any of this, but I asked uh, K-State Athletics Director Gene Taylor if attaching these two bills made sense to him or if anyone had given him an explanation. And uh, Gene was direct. I have no idea. Yeah, no. That didn't make any sense to me at all. So coaches in Kansas are already being asked about NIL by recruits. And, you know, they see this as a real impediment. You know, it's a problem, an uneven playing field. Um, here's Bill Self again. Those things are, 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 are not even going to be mentioned ever again. It's all going to be about name, image, and likeness and what – what what can I do? How can I earn things with my popularity at a at a school that 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 draws the interest and has the support that yours does? And you know, if you can't get, if you can't get anything, then you know you're, you're gonna be you're gonna be recruiting with the one or two arms type. Now there there could be an out here. Um, there are three different bills floating around Washington, D.C., including one sponsored by Kansas Senator Jerry Moran that would offer NIL rights to college athletes. So if, if one of those bills passes, then it won't matter so much what states have done already. You know, the rules will be the same for everyone. The, the other thing that could happen is the NCAA could pass its own law or rule here, which, again, uh, evens the field. So uh, Mitt Winter is, is a good guy to talk to about this. Mitt is a lawyer at Kenny Hertz Perry here in Kansas City, and he's done a lot of work in this space. And he said one possibility uh, would be the NCAA next month could issue a temporary blanket waiver for athletes to pursue NIL deals while the NCAA, you know, hammers out the details of the legislation. Because, you know, those details are many, <laughs> by the way. You know, like the this is one of those, it sounds great on the surface, but the details, uh, you know, can be more difficult. Because look, like typical language in these bills states that NIL deals can't be offered to get a kid to make a certain school choice. But in practice, like, come on, that's hard to do, right? Like kids will know which schools typically have the best deals. And who are you to say that like in a, ba- a bank or an apparel store, car dealer, whatever, um, who are you to say that them putting a running back on a billboard, like h- how can you tell whether that's done to promote their business or whether that's done to get the kid to go to that business owner's favorite school, right? Um, here's another one. Um, the language in a lot of these bills uh, says that the, the the deals need to be limited to fair market value. But like, what does that mean, right? Like, isn't market value whatever you can get somebody to pay for something? You know what I mean? Like, and, and so like market value is going to be a lot different for like a deli in Ames than it is a bank in Tuscaloosa, right? So um, anyway, here's Mitt, uh, Mitt Winter on that complication. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so that's in some of the state laws that's been passed have that language. Some don't. Oh, um, like, so I know like Florida, Alabama, and Georgia all have that language. I think Mississippi might too. Um, but some do and some don't. Um, but that your question's a good one because the the laws that do have that market value language, they none of them say who is going to make that determination on what is market value or how that determination is going to be made. Uh So it kind of remains to be seen. So anyway, we're still a bit away from being able to worry about those like granular details, you know. Um, What's interesting to me, one of the things that's interesting to me is that a lot of schools were against NIL for a long time. Um, You know, as recently as last summer or fall, there was an AD at a Power 5 school who was making the point to me uh, that this would kill non-revenue sports. 
right? That so a sponsor that gives you know a hundred thousand dollars a year or whatever to help fund a golf team, maybe now they just put that money to a quarterback. So you know that school, by the way, is now very much in favor of NIL, and you know it's it's a simple reason. It's like self survival, right? Like at some point there was enough momentum behind it that schools needed to join up or get left behind. And, you know, getting left behind is exactly what the schools in Kansas are worried about right now. Um, you know, their, their NIL deal is being stalled by this weird attachment to the trans man. So um, here's Gene Taylor again. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously this train was out of the station way early, you know, way before we could, you know, we knew we were going to lose this battle, right? Yeah. And I'm not, I know it's probably, there are a lot of things in the, in the name, image, and likeness legislation, whether it's, you know, the, what the NCAA has out there or what, that I've always felt or the athletes should have. Like, if you've got a talent, you know, maybe you're a singer, maybe you're an artist, you should be able to do that, right? You should be able to make money off of your talent outside of athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a golfer, an individual golfer, why can't he yeah. go and give lessons? Those kinds of things I've always felt good about. It's the third-party stuff. You know, the corporate sponsor, you know, all of a sudden the Tyler, Mina, Skyler Thompson goes and, you know, is the spokesperson for a local car dealer, right? I mean, those, yeah. we really have to be careful of that. Now, is there a chance that that car dealer who's given to Learfield may not give to Learfield anymore and go right? Yeah, there's a possibility of that, but I don't think it's going to be a huge uh, negative in terms of revenue loss. I, I don't think so. I think they'll keep. Still be, they still want to be involved with K-State, but, um, you know, there are some concerns, but I don't have massive. I have more, my concern is a third party and somebody trying to do something that's illegal or, you know, not the, not the right thing. Okay, guys, uh, that is the show. I appreciate you all for listening, and I hope we're worth your time. One more time, uh, please reach out to me if you can help support us with the Sports Pass. Uh, please subscribe rate and review to this show uh thanks to everybody who called in even those we couldn't get to uh big thanks to savannah smith for putting this together and as always the biggest thanks to you for giving us your time and letting us be a small part of your life uh, let's do it again next week um you know maybe we'll have an update on this story maybe we'll have some more room to talk royals who knows um so okay uh, have a great weekend guys be kind <laughs>